this is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 49. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? It's Dan today, and we have Kriegs with us. Uh, Bass is out of town on a little business trip, and Tyler is allegedly dying, so he uh, can't talk today. So we've got Kriegs with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing good and hoping Tyler feels better. Yeah. So just based on that, just a heads up, guys, we are going to push the bullshit hour back a day. So he has some more time to get his voice back. Because I guess he can't talk right now, so I, I gave him a little hot toddy recipe, thinking some whiskey and some honey might get him going better, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that usually does a trick for me. Uh, he messaged me like Friday, he's like, hey, I'm not doing too hot here. <laughs> I, might, I might need you to tap in. <laughs> but yeah, so today uh, we've got Undead Unluck on a break, so no Undead Unluck, where you're going to talk about Free Run episode 17. We're bringing Mashal back to the rundown with the first episode of season two. And we are going to discuss the start of the new One Piece arc with episode 1089. So to start, we're going to start with Freerun episode 17. It's titled Take Care. And basically, Sign finds out where Mr. Gorilla Warrior went. But now he has to make a decision on whether he's going to stay with team or bail and go find his homie. And they get caught in a little blizzard. So to start, we got a new opening. It's a little mid-season opening switch. Uh, the new song is called Sunny or Haru, and it's by Yorushika. And I thought it was kind of a bop. What do you think, man? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It um, It definitely felt like, okay, I think they're giving a little away. Because you know how some openings show what's going to happen? And the future episodes, they kind of did that with this opening where they didn't do it in the other one. Yeah, I was very distraught when I saw about 17 characters I haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah. I was like, we have we have like 12 episodes got left, guys, or not not even right. We have seven episodes or 10. I don't know. It's, um, I, think it's 28. I think it got thrown off. Yeah, because there was four episodes. So I think we have 28 technically. But so we have 11 episodes left. And it looks like we're going to get introduced to a lot more characters. So that has me pretty excited. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't know if it's technically spoilers, but I think I know where we're going and why we have so many characters. Hopefully, hopefully it's a big battle. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I, haven't, I, I haven't read the manga, but <laughs> you've gotten the spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, so to start with the episode, it basically starts with Sign trying to make his decision on whether he's going to chase after Mr. Gorilla Warrior or continue on with the team. And they're like, oh, let's sleep on it tonight. You know, let's go back, get a, get another cab and we'll stay for another day. And sure enough, a massive blizzard hits. And being up in the northern tier of this fantasy country, I guess blizzards last a month. Yeah. <laughs> 
So they get shoehorned in this cabin for another for for a good bit of time. And, you know, Freeman's not too mad about it. She likes to chill. And she says there's a magic shop in this town with a shady old man who sells legendary spells. And to get into these legendary spells, um, they don't seem so legendary. They seem like ones that I would want as somebody who does laundry. Oh, yeah. She can get rid of mold and oil stains and clothes. Yeah, that seemed like the most useful spells. I was like, man, give me some of those. I'll I'll take that. (laughs) But like, does that fit your definition of a legendary spell? Like, I'm sitting there like... She's gonna rain lightning and shit. That's that's legendary. Not like, oh, you spilled you spilled some oil on your shirt. Let me get that for you. Hey, she's sp- she's speaking to all the homeowners out there. True. Yeah. <laughs> or just anybody who is a klutz with food and just covers their clothes with it. No, but in all seriousness, when she first said legendary spell, I thought she was like gonna talk about some like crazy holy magic or something or to defeat demons but then they cut to that and i'm like uh yeah that's typical free run <laughs> yeah i was like wait are we gonna figure out how you killed the demon king like what's going on here and it's like nope nope i just had a stain on my dress so here we go but i absolutely loved fern where she was like this is the most useful magic i've ever learned <laughs> she was honest man <laughs> i mean hey man if you're gonna use magic you might as well have useful magic definitely but after that, they decide to stay and free runs like, oh, so we good. there's a magic shop. There's a pub. We've got options. We can do some stuff. And during their little extended stay in this town. Fern and Stark get in a little fight, you know, a couple's quarrel. And Fern asks Sign to mediate it because he's a priest and priests mediate fights. And <laughs> I love this scene because Sign was like, are you sure that's what I'm supposed to do? Like, I didn't see that in the job like description. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, Freerun's handing out the CV and everything, but I think she just, I think she honestly didn't want to deal with it. As part, oh, no, definitely not. That that is not Freerun territory right there. She's not going to step in between a lover lover's quarrel. She's too old for that. She's wise. But yeah, the tensions you know between them run. No pun intended, hot and cold. I mean, they're what, teenagers, opposite sex, you know, figuring out your feelings. I kind of, I get it. I get why they're like that. Yeah, it's just, it's funny to watch. And like, when they come back to the cabin, you see like, pouty face, staring at a wall. (laughs) And you see Stark, like just defeated, looking down at the ground, like behind her. And it had me laughing. I was like, this... This is like the slice of life introduction for people who haven't watched Slice of Lives. Yeah, I I loved it. I think I tweeted out another year, another firm pout face. <laughs> but yeah, so after that, we get into Sign's mediation of this little little tussle we got going on here, and he kind of gets to the bottom of it. Basically, what happened is Fern had touched Stark's face, and Stark went to return the favor. And she didn't like that. She didn't like that. And so Sign's getting down to the bottom of it. And Stark realizes that he shouldn't have done that. And it's like, I'll apologize to Fern. And Fern is like, I just didn't like that he grabbed my shoulder so strongly. And I'm sitting there laughing. I'm like, Fern, man, 
that's the embrace of a man's man. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think she just got flustered and reacted in anger. I think that was the first emotion that came out when she realized who it was. Yeah. Def- I think she would have acted differently if like Freerin did that. She would have been oh. like, Freerin Sama, stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like, I don't think her and like Stark have had a lot of like physical interaction, I guess, besides like, Besides the dancing. Yeah. So, like, I think I she was think just... So. A, I don't think so. So I think she was just really surprised at how strong he actually is. I mean, the man can mow down a mountain with a battle axe. So, like, it's got to be pretty, pretty, pretty tough. Yeah, dude. Dude, 1v1 to dragon. <laughs> oh, man. So after that, the sign gets it resolved. They say they're sorry, and they make up. And after that, you know, we kind of get into a scene at the pub with Sign and Freerun talking. And Sign's like, why did you want me to actually come on this journey? And Freerun kind of goes into her reasoning behind it and how she saw Sign as in like a similar position as her when she before she joined the Heroes Party. And I thought it was really cool that she brought this up and says that she was just like him before Himmel got her to join the party and did that for her. And in that scenario, you know, Freerun really got to understand what it was like to have friends and go on this adventure. So she was trying to return the favor with signs. So I thought that was really cool to kind of get him to take that step forward. Yeah, it kind of, you know, I, I didn't realize the parallels until they brought it up, you know. Freerun was this very powerful mage who was just kind of living in the woods by herself, kind of not doing much. And Sign was a really great priest living in the small town, very talented, you know, but likes to drink, likes to smoke, likes to gamble. I I was going to say he's talented, but I don't think he fits the definition of great priest. Uh, we're splitting hairs here (laughs) he's got more vices than i have and i'm a bit of a degenerate so yeah but i do think that you know she saw that you know this this man's very talented and you know i think he needs to leave this town and go on an adventure oh definitely and so after all this, the blizzard finally ends, the winter is over, and Sign makes his decision that he's going to go after Gorilla Warrior. And they say their goodbyes, and they were they were really fast. I was surprised by this, how it was like, yeah. peace, Lily just deuces, and then they went their separate ways. I did not see this coming, honestly. No, I, I don't. I, like, it left me speechless. I was like, wait, he's le- No, no. <laughs> that's yeah. what i did i was like in the same boat i was like wait why did you make me learn so much about this guy just to kick him to the curb partially like after like what three episodes i'd have to look at the episode log um two or three episodes yeah it's it's not a lot but yeah you know i thought it was cool though that sign was going after his original goal and he didn't change his ambition to stay with the party, which is probably the easier route. So I thought it was cool that he was kind of like manned up and was like, I'm going to stick to my goal here. I'm going to go find my boy. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I'm just a little nervous for him because he's by himself and he's not like he's as powerful as Freerun is. 
Yeah. So I'm just I'm nervous. Yeah, honestly, in the hierarchy of power in that group, I'd probably put him at number four. I mean, Stark's a badass with a battle axe. Fern is a low-key savage with magic. I mean, she took down like a demon lieutenant. And Sign had a problems with a Hell's Paradise-esque plant. But like a very low caliber one, you know, like free run took that thing out in two seconds. Okay, so I just looked it up. Yeah, episode 13 is when they met him. Okay, so yeah, three and a half episodes. Yeah. So and so. like he, he didn't leave until the the end or the beginning of the next episode. So like it was a quick turnaround. Yeah, very quick turnaround. I'm curious if they do this thing where we get to see Freerin, Fern, and Stark do their thing, and then we get like a cutaway to what he's doing, and they just kinda bounce back between like kind of like um mashuko tensei does that a lot okay it shows you what different characters in the world are doing yeah i feel like it'd be interesting to see them do that but with how this is already a pretty slow paced show i think that would make it even like slower paced if that makes sense unless they cut out like if they go to sign they cut out like an episode of walking we would have watched yeah, that that would yeah that would make sense. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of walking and free run now that I think about it. <laughs> it a, there have been some episodes that I've watched and I'm like, why did nothing happen? Or like, why did nothing of any importance happen? But it's just like the slice of life culture applied to like a fantasy world. You know, it just it's it's what happens. Literally. But so shortly after they go their separate ways. They're walking through a winter wonderland and of course Fern ends up getting sick and she comes down with a cold. We learn that Freerin can do some holy magic of the goddess, but just simple stuff. She can't use high caliber magic. She can't like identify like really bad diseases, but she can she can identify the common cold. So they figure that out and they understand what they need to do to find the right herbs to um, basically make a medicine for Fern. And they take her to this little farm that used to be in a pretty big village that Freerun had visited in the past with a hero party. And they stash Fern there to, you know, get some rest. And her and Stark go on a little adventure to this icicle cherry blossom tree to find some magic mushrooms not the kind (laughs) you guys might like to partake in i don't know what you're into so a little different you know these are these are healing mushrooms not psychedelic mushrooms and her and stark on this adventure it's a pretty long walk to get there because they start in the morning and when they get there it's dusk yeah it takes all day yeah that's 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 a solid walk and when they finally get there, these mushrooms are massive and her and Freerun and Stark are talking and we get a little flashback to Himmel and they go into why Freerun was holding Fern's hand to bring her comfort. And they go into when Freerun did this in the past before they left the house, uh, Fern was embarrassed because she thought Freerun was treating her like a child. And they go into a little bit of a flashback and Freerun was basically had a similar situation with Himmel and Himmel held Freerun's hand to make her feel comfortable when she was sick. 
So that was kind of like what Freerun's learned how to handle these kind of situations, which good for my girl. She remembers a lot from the past because that was ages ago. And basically, you know, just goes into it and Freerun thanks Stark and tells him that she'll start wanting to start doing what she wants to do. And I was a little confused by that because that didn't really line up for me. Like, did you understand what she was going for for that? Um, well, first of all, I like how these flashbacks to the heroes party is just Himmel risen up for Freerun the whole time. <laughs> that is the best part of those. Oh, yeah. Do I look handsome holding your hand? Yeah. The, the smooth. <laughs> Savage. Um, I don't know. I didn't really understand that line either. Like, does that mean she wants to explore her own passion or I because maybe she held back with the heroes party and what you know her saying how the journey went things like that I'm not too sure one of the things I thought was everything we've seen Freerun do is based on a past interaction Uh so maybe she's going to start trying to expand who she is more but I feel like that's kind of tough for uh 1,000 plus year old elf like the old saying you can't teach a dog new tricks or an old dog new tricks and well Freerun's a pretty old dog at this point in in our sense you know she's over a thousand years old so I think she's going to start exploring herself more which is what I thought it was yeah I wonder does it get to a point where she learns all the spells she can honestly I'd <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's only so much magic that exists, right? And it seems like a, like they learn most of their magic from demons. Yeah. So, like, if she exterminates all the demons, is she going to start making her own magic? She could. I mean... Or, or is the magic the friends you make along the way? Yes. <laughs> Freeman's looking for the One Piece, folks. Freeman's going to find it. <laughs> Before Luffy does. I need someone to edit Freerun, Fern, and Stark on a ship for me. <laughs> now I need to see it. Just them on the thousand, Sunny. Freerun, Sama. <laughs> Put a straw hat on over their elf ears oh. hanging out the back. <laughs> oh my god. Sanji would lose his mind. <laughs> At least while she looks young, she's old as dirt. So that gives Sanji <laughs> a break here. You know, this isn't like a 14-year-old princess. Oh my god, seriously. Uh, but the episode ends with Freerin making the magic brew that is this medicine, and she is standing over a cauldron with like the funniest face. I one of the funniest faces I think I've seen oh, her make. God. But Stark's like, you look like a witch. Like she's over this <laughs> giant cauldron mixing it up. Oh god. Yeah, and those faces are so great. <laughs> I love the way that it's like kind of like a chibi face, but it's not. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Crunchyroll messed up because they dropped the avatars for him to change your profile. And I was like, you guys messed up. You didn't do the pout face and you didn't do the free run like uwu face. It's <laughs> like, what are we doing, man? Oh, speaking of their faces, when they were going on their journey to this tree, did you see them when they were huddled around the fire in that cave? <laughs> Yeah. It looks so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
in the end, Fern gets better and they leave this little farm. And that was the episode. So it was a pretty good episode. You know, we we got a nice little flashback and we got some fun interactions with Fern and Stark. But I'm kind of sad signs gone, you know, like he was one of my favorite characters in the show just because he's like a degenerate with a really good heart. Yeah, it was sad to see him go. I mean, they had the party complete. And I was like, all right, this is our group. This is what we're doing. Party of four. It's a Final Fantasy game. And then all of a sudden, you know what? The storm kind of changed me. I'm out. I'm like, what? What? Do I thought this was part of the, like, your thing was a side quest on the journey. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I think I was saying at last episode. They're like, do you think somebody else, do you think Guerrilla Warrior is going to join? I'm like, nah. We are following video game rules here pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like, parties are four. You don't have a party of five. You can't do that here. Unless it's Pokemon. That's a party of six, but you only get to send one or two out at a time. Like, mm-hmm. and frankly, Freeman doesn't have a bunch of balls around her waist full of, <laughs> full, full of Fern and Stark and everyone. But yeah, I'm curious to see if Sign kind of comes back into the fold. Because if you think about the map, they're going, they're going to the left. Sign's going to the right, but if they continue north, they'll probably intersect. Yeah, they'll intersect. So I'm curious to see if one, I think Gorilla Warrior died. I mean, that's just my thought. It would make yeah. it be tragic, but this show hasn't had a lot of happy endings. Yeah, that's my, I mean, it's been 10 years. I'm pretty confident he is not alive. Yeah, <laughs> if you only go three villages in 10 years, which they've done in like, like four months in this northern territory like you're not a very good hero i mean all it takes is him to get jumped by a bunch of demons yeah that's that, all it takes <laughs> that or a giant plant monster that puts humans to sleep who don't have holy magic that too so yeah i guess we'll find out if they meet up you want to get into mashal yeah let's get into it so next we're going to talk about mashal season two episode one mash and the divine visionaries so if you guys haven't watched Mashal yet, I definitely recommended it. We covered it in the rundown last summer. You can check it out in episodes 10 through 22 of our podcast of the weekly rundown. So to start and open up with a quick little summary, rumors are spreading like wildfire at the Academy that Mash doesn't have magic, which if you've watched the show, we all know that Mash's magic is his muscles and mash and the gang have a little celebration over further victory over langdorm so i guess we'll start with the opening uh bling bang bang boom by creepy nuts this was a pretty interesting opening like it's not your normal anime opening at all but i thought it fits the vibe of this show so well i liked it a lot yeah. <laughs> I really like, did. I was like, yeah. oh, all right. But like you're watching, you're like, what the fuck is this? This isn't an anime <laughs> opening. Yeah, it was like it was like a mix of rap and like alternative. And then they're like, all right, let's put in a random sound be- bed squeaking in there. <laughs> I was like, what? I was listening to this and my first like my first thing was like Am I listening to that Ty Dolla Sign song right now? Like it's or not? And you just hear the bed squeaking in the background. I was like, 
is Mash gonna get with my girl Lemon right Lemon, now? Is that yeah. what we're hearing? Like, what's going on here? But so I, I thought of a rap song too. It's uh, God, this is a really throwback. I think early two thousands. Trillville made a yeah. song called "Some Cut," and it's a begged squeaking Whole as time. the beat. Whole time, literally, what I thought of. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> just so bizarre but it was such a fun opening like we're gonna be getting some more action like it kind of laid out what the season's gonna be and there's one scene with like mash fighting a minotaur so that's gonna be sweet yep and they brought the cream puffs back you gotta bring the cream puffs back gotta have the cream puffs i mean like we've said in the past mashal is just paid for by big cream puff like this is just an ad it is i don't know (laughs) I don't know who Big Cream Puff is, but they funneled some money into this shit. (laughs) So a quick little recap over for the end of season one, which they kind of did during the episode. It ended with MASH beating Lord Abel, and someone happened to see that he couldn't use magic. And MASH's friends, you had Lemon, Lance, and Dot, like, basically just talking this guy into submission. And he's like, he can't use magic, he can't use magic, he's he magic. can't use magic. They literally just beat the man into the ground with their words. And that is Masho 101 right there. And it turns out that these rumors are spreading like wildfire. And at first, I was like, I don't know how they're going to handle this. And the episode later really gets into how they're going to handle that. But before that, we're having a little party to celebrate defeating Langdorn, taking down Lord Abel. And there's this nice feast made. You know, it looked pretty good. Of course, Big Cream Puff got some cream puffs on the table, as they should. But Lord Abel and Abyss Razor were at the party. Like, those were the bad guys all of season one, and now they're at a party because they got beat. That was a little confusing. Yeah, I don't know if it's like, uh, well, you beat us, hats off to you, we kind of respect you now type of deal. But it was very odd. (laughs) Yeah, and they got into it a little bit later in the episode, and we'll get to that too. But this party was pretty chaotic. There was a lot going on. I mean, Lemon is trying to feed Mash a cream puff (laughs) on a spoon. (laughs) And she drops it, and Mash uses his super lungs to suck the thing up right before it hits the ground. And all you hear Levin say is, oh, it's like we're a married couple now. Like, oh, yeah, that she, girl, she's delirious. Dude, she's got that chain magic for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> we all know why. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> I don't want to go on DeviantArt and type in MASH. Don't, let's I'll, not do that. DeviantArt is... Do that. DeviantArt is a scary place. <laughs> Very scary. I'm sure some of our listeners love it. You're weirdo. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. Dots covered up like Squidward when they go jellyfishing. <laughs> Finn's pooping himself the whole time. <laughs> and yeah. Lance is just kind of chilling. <laughs> yeah. So before the party, somebody approaches Bash and is like, you don't have magic, do you? And you just ha- see Bash having like a meltdown, like I can use magic, I can use magic, like Lily turning into a robot. And Finn pulls him away. And this guy brings up a really good point that 
helping somebody without magic is a crime and that it could get Finn at worst expelled. But I think that's an understatement. Like that's like the death penalty in this world. So like kind of scary. Yeah, it's a little he definitely was trying to crack Finn. And then Lance showed up and kind of used his magic to shut that guy up, which kind of snapped him out of it. Yeah, blew him into the ground so much that his pompadour was sticking straight <laughs> yeah. up. That was funny how it changed shape. It was just pointing straight up. Like, he looked like Johnny Bravo. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah it's funny. Mashal reminds me of, like, Tondro when he's trying to lie. He just, he, he no. has no poker face whatsoever. Oh, God, it just I was laughing, too, because they have like Mashal, like having like a mental breakdown, like just not understanding what he can do. And then the same thing happens to Abyss Razor at this celebration dinner because Abyss has never talked to a girl before. He calls them females. Oh, yeah, he he couldn't handle it. (laughs) And Lemon goes to pour some tea and he has like a mental breakdown. He's just saying like, thank you, thank you, thank you and stuttering the entire time. So. This show is is staying as fun as it was last season, so I'm really excited about that. So towards the end of the party, we get a scene with Abyss Razor talking to Mash, and Abyss thanks him for kind of snapping Lord Abel out of his like, I guess like power hungry state where he wanted to like just take over the school, when really his goal was to create a world where the weak like his mother can flourish. And he's entrusting that goal to Mash now because he thinks Mash can do it. During this, he also tells Mash that he's been targeted by Innocent Zero, who is the big baddie in Mash from what we can tell. So I'm kind of excited about that. Abyss did say something weird that he has a connection to people, to a person that Innocent Zero is looking for. So like, who do you like? Do you have any idea who that could be? Like, do you think his family is somehow related to this or something? Can I say Professor Snape? <laughs> no, I I really don't. Yeah, I, it's someone in that school is my guess. Yeah, I can see I just that. Don't know. So we'll have to figure that out. But we also learned that Lord Abel's third line is actually artificial. And he gained it from a power buff he received from Innocent Zero. Which means that, like, I guess technically, MASH could gain magic through artificial means. So that would be kind of an interesting plot point. Like, I don't think MASH would want it, though. Like, that's not who he is. I think he could. um, But I feel like it comes at a very heavy cost. Definitely. Like, yeah, you become a power-hungry psychopath who turns people into dolls. I was going with the whole full metal alchemist idea oh. exchange. Ooh. So that was my first thought when I heard that. I was like, oh, I don't think he wants that magic line. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Finn is going to get turned into a suit of armor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll open up the door of truth in the chamber of secrets. We, we, we didn't get a door joke this episode and I was heartbroken about that because the door gags have been so funny in this show. Oh, they're great. Uh, so after that, we knew that this whole rumor about MASH was going to come bite him in the ass. And we have an emergency meeting at the Magic Bureau about MASH's lack of magic. And we get some backstory on this world a little bit more. 
and uh, the the man who's like overseeing the tribe the trial i think his name was like mr i don't remember what it was but he, you know he's a magic yeah. magic house guy and he says that he asked mash who created the world and mash goes i don't know some some pretty pretty awesome dude i guess and he's like god created everything and gave magics to humans and that people like mash who don't have magic threaten the world and people said that he was like a bug and they needed to be dealt with quickly so this is like really setting the tone for me like obviously we have made so many harry potter references with this show like mashal is if voldemort won literally like no muggles no half breeds all Slytherin, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't get why this whole thing of like magicless people threaten the world. Because if anything, they would be considered weaker. So like, what are they gonna do? You know? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like they definitely they definitely like to oppress them. Yeah. Well, I mean they, they- they kill hunted down Mashal. <laughs> yeah, well, they kill, they kill him at birth. Mash basically yeah. was just like a baby who somehow beat the system and got he got abandoned. Yeah. And Grandpa over there found him and raised him. So, yeah, he was the boy who lifted, man. And even though Tyler's not here, he had a note about this. He thinks it's because if they're allowed to live and you know breed. Um, they might multiply the non-magic users in the world, which creates chaos for this magic society. So I think that's an interesting way to look at it, too. Yeah, definitely definitely paralleling Harry Potter now, because, yeah, because, um, what is it? Wizards get with muggles, and then you have half-muggle, and... Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, whoever created this definitely is a fan of Harry Potter. I'm just throwing that. <laughs> oh, they have to be. I mean, this is like... A Harry Potter ripoff, but it's way funnier, and we don't get 300 pages about a kid living in a closet. Yeah, that too. too. (laughs) Which I appreciate. That's when I gave up on Harry Potter. It was like the fifth book, and I was like 200 pages in, and I'm like, dude, Harry's done all this shit. Why the hell is he still living in a staircase? Like, come on. Yeah, but now it's a Harry Potter closet. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call him every time I see him. (laughs) Greeks has a bed in the closet under his stairs at home. Don't worry, it's his guest Uh, room. In my, what is it, when I had, I had a loft, it was a couple of years back when I was living with Dobbs, and we had a closet under the stairs, and we called it a Harry Potter closet, but we can, yeah. o- we can only store things in there, you couldn't like fit like a desk or anything in there, yeah. so. <laughs> I love that. I see people turning them into dog, like dog houses all the time, they build yep. a little house under the stairs for their dog, and yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. But, so during this trial i guess uh rio grants who is the magic security force captain he's a divine visionary and he's the light cane shows up and he says all that matters in the end is success and that he has he believes mash has the potential to become a real man mash is given a candle and told to light it without touching it and the old head magic bureau guy is like oh he can't do that he doesn't have magic and says that he'll need a miracle stronger than magic to make this happen. And during this, I was like, Mash is going to pull this off. Like, he pulls everything off. The dude flew a broom by kicking his feet really fast. This yeah. is light work. Yeah, he's Gepu. <laughs> and <laughs> from what he's... 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. And I was sitting there, I'm like, he needs some wood, because I could see Mashal making fire with a stick and somehow making it like hit the candle. And sure enough, he pulls out his magic wand and starts rubbing it between his hand like you would to start a fire in the woods. But he doesn't just start a fire. He creates like a fire spin from Pokemon. Like he channeled his inner Charizard and just ripped this stick back and forth with his hands until it created like a, a fire spin and lights the candle, passing the task. But during that, a group of six, the rest of the divine visionaries besides Finn's brother show up. And there was a lot of them. We got introduced to all of them. Uh, there was Renatus Revel, who is the Magical Cemetery Administration. He's the Immortal Kane. Sura, Surara Hailstone, who is from the Magic Research Administration. She's the Ice Kane. Caldo Gahina, who's the Magic Talent Administration, the Flame Kane. Ajito Tyrone, the Magical Creatures Administration. He was a creepy-looking fucking dude. He was the Dragon yeah. Kane. yeah. Sofina Brevia, the Forbidden Magical Text Administration member, the Knowledge Cane, and Orter Mattel, the Magical Power Administration, who is the Desert Cane. And you think that Cane's like, it's kind of an interesting way to like put out that hierarchy. I thought that was an interesting name, like way to do it, you know? Yeah, it was a little, a little odd. I've never seen a like naming system like that. Yeah, definitely not with canes, especially because, yeah. like, I think magic, I think staff, not cane. Yeah. But at the same time, though, arcane is magic. So maybe that's where they're going with it. I don't know. Yeah, they could. But so at this point, we've been introduced to what I, I think is all the divine visionaries because we met Finn's brother last season. And they say that his punishment should be death because he's magicless and there's rules and regulations we have to follow. But during this, Innocent Zero takes over the substitute headmaster, claiming that MASH belongs to them. So MASH belongs to Innocent Zero. And there was a magic parasite planted in the substitute headmaster's body, which basically allowed them to take it over. This is a parasitic creature. It feeds off mana and uses the host for its larva. And if you try and remove it, it basically switches the host and takes you over. During this, Innocent Zero declares war on the Divine Visionaries, and it looks like we're going to have a, a pretty fun season, I think. We're going to get a lot of action, which I'm excited for. One yeah. thing we said during the last one is that the fights were really short, but that's because MASH is just Saitama and just punches shit into oblivion, and it's game over. So hopefully we get some opponents who can handle more than one punch. <laughs> That was good. I think he's going to have to use his brain and wits a little more to get through these enemies. I don't think one punch is going to do it anymore. <laughs> That's going to be tough because yeah. there, there's not a lot going on up there. It's cream puffs and fists. He is, he is like that was slick, though, when he took out his wand and caused that fire. <laughs> I was like, all right, that was pretty smart. And I mean, uh, Dude grew up in a cabin in the woods, so like, hopefully he knows how to start a fire. Yeah, and that magic parasite looked just like a face sucker. Oh, yeah. that thing was nasty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> during this, Mash removes the parasite from the substitute's body, and it tries to take Mash over, and it like jumps into his mouth. This is gnarly. 
And during this, everyone's freaking out like, oh my god, MASH is going to get taken over. But he ties it into a doggy balloon animal using his tongue like somebody would do with a cherry stem. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, when it first went into him, I thought, well, is it going to reject him because he has no mana? That was my first thought. That's what I thought. And I was like, okay, this will be interesting and it'll prove everyone's point. Yep. But nah, he made a balloon animal out of it. I think he like blocked it with his tongue from going down his throat. And then dude's got tongue muscles, apparently. And just like, whipped it I, around I, I i know he's strong but like that's not a muscle you think to work out mashall does <laughs> then lemon's over there giving him a wink <laughs> I was gonna say, good for lemon <laughs> uh but as the episode ends we have uh the real headmaster Wahlberg and finn's brother rain who is also a divine visionary show up uh rain launches the sword between mash and I gotta remember his name now. Uh, uh, Order, the Desert King, who is threatening to kill him. During this whole scene, too, you have. There's so many names in this episode for so many new characters. Hold on. Rio, the Light Cane, is also threatening the Desert Cane. So it's all over the place. And Wahlberg shows up, and that's kind of the end of the episode. So I'm curious to see what Wahlberg and Rain have to say. Going forward to the next one, I'm really excited for that. I think they're going to save him from the death penalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's episode two, so like... Yeah, I I think they might give him the, uh, what is it, the Asta treatment. We'll postpone this if you prove that, or do something. Maybe they'll kind of keep the, you know, quell the rumors that he has no magic, too, to kind of keep the heat off of him as well. All you got to say is you can use one type of magic and that magic is muscle enhancement and nobody can say anything otherwise. Yeah, that's what everybody thought he had. Yeah. Like, oh, he's muscle enhancement. Okay. Yeah. I I still love last season when MASH is like bicep muscle. (laughs) Like names and attack. I'm like, this shit's so stupid. (laughs) It's so funny, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, awesome. So let's get on to One Piece then. So next we're going to talk about One Piece episode 1089. Entering a new chapter, Luffy and Sabo's pass. So first off, the words entering a new chapter have me ecstatic. Because I am so ready for this next arc. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, like I've I haven't I'm not I'm like not caught up. I think I'm probably a month behind in the manga, but like I'm very excited for spoilers. Not really. Egghead. We're here, baby. We're going. I'm so excited. I've been sure I've been like for the last like three months as we're talking about the new arc. I'm like, I can't say egghead. I can't say egghead. I can't say egghead. (laughs) Yeah, I promised Tyler. uh, He said, uh, you're caught up in the manga, right? Try to avoid spoilers. So I I will not say anything past this episode. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, I've had to do it because Tyler has blown it in the past. I bleep it out. I can go put a nice bleep in there. It's all good. All right. I'll try to be good. I'll try and catch you. No, it's not a, like a 30 second bleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to start, what'd you think about the new opening? I loved it. I like the new art style and I loved the, my favorite scene. Actually, I'd say there's two was Luffy walking and all the outfits he wore in the past. Yeah, that was sick. 
that was awesome. And then I feel so bad for anime onlys. They kind of spoiled some fights coming up and they did the transition between the two people fighting. That was awesome. So that was really cool. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, man, it's hard being anime only. You get spoiled in that opener. Like you're watching and you're like, is that Lucci? Is that is that Blackbeard? (laughs) Is is that Garp? Are we just showing characters or what's going on here? You know, so. Like I said, buckle up, everyone. This is going to be a good one. Oh, definitely. But like the thing I loved most about this One Piece opening is it felt like a One Piece opening. Like the last two, while they're awesome, they haven't like reminded me of like the original One Piece openings. I'm not saying this one reminded me of We Are, but it had that same vibe that we got for so long and they brought it back and I was really excited for that. That's it. It's funny you say that because I thought the ending did that. The ending, cool. yes. So the ending, uh, Dear Sunrise, reminded me so much of the first One Piece ending. And I mm-hmm. loved it. I was like, oh, this is bringing this is like nostalgic almost. As much as I love it, I think they're also kind of starting to say goodbye to the fans. <laughs> Because they keep showing all these. And I'm like, oh, man, we're yeah, we're getting near the end here. <laughs> yeah, we got six to eight years of anime left, so I'm not too oh, worried gosh. about it. Yeah, I wonder what Oda thinks he's like, because, you know, he started this in the 90s and he's like, oh, I'm just going to make this series. And it's been going on for 25 plus years. I think he understands the weight he has on his shoulders. He's like, oh. I feel like I have like an obligation to kind of like warn people this hey this is gonna end soon like oh man there's gonna be a lot of depressed people if i don't do this right yeah we're gonna have a lot of fucos from undead unlock oh my god yeah that's good i love that i love that tiktok when (laughs) when one piece finishes i've done it i've read my favorite manga i can die now (laughs) so the episode starts off where the last one ended up and it's luffy talking about his dream and Chopper's gassed up about this. He's like, Luffy, I love your dream. And Frankie's saying that he'll have to be the king of the pirates to make this happen. And all that they need is one more road poneglyph or load poneglyph to make this happen to get the laugh tail. And Robin comes in. And she's like, this is a lot harder than it sounds. Like nobody's found the last poneglyph. So... I'm curious, like, what island it's going to be on. I have an idea, but they haven't gone there yet. Like, I'm thinking they're going to Elbath. Like, they have to go to Elbath. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where it's going to be. So they've talked about Elbath since, what, Little Garden, which is episode 70-ish something, I believe. It's that early? Yeah, so Little Little Garden, yeah, Dorian Baragi. Elbath has been brought up so much in this series. It would... It would kind of be a disappointment if they did not go. Yeah, if if it was on another path, because, I mean, there's. I mean, to see every island, you have to go on over the red line like mm-hmm. three yeah. times. So, like. It'd be interesting if it didn't happen, but I feel like it'd be such a letdown of fans because I mean, with Big Mom's background, Dorian Broggy, the Giants who are part of Luffy's Grand Fleet, like there's a lot. We've learned a lot about this island. It would suck not to go there. But I think I think that's where the last one's going to be because one, it's an ancient race. 
kind I, I guess it's not ancient race, but it's a very specific race. One was in Fishman Island where very specific race. So I think that's where we're going, you know? Okay, so my guess was I think the government has it. Ooh, it's a Marie Joie? Like, yeah, they... Because Gold Rogers somehow got it. I don't know how. And then after maybe they executed him, they figured out where it was, maybe Garp knew, and they just they took it and they hid it for themselves to not recreate the next pirate era. That could be it, too. So that's my okay. guess, but I'm not sure. <laughs> that would be a good point, too. So we get this really cool transition where a seagull flies over the ship and then flies off. And we see Navy HQ intercepting a call from Sabo. And it's to the, the, revolu- the yeah, revolutionaries. And it's coming from Lelusha Kingdom, which is currently an active rebellion against its government. And Sabo tells the revolutionaries in Dragon that he wasn't the one who killed King Cobra. And during this, he's trying to tell them what happens. And we get, we get a cut to the king himself, Emu. And we see Emu dancing around in their little flower haven. They have a Marie-Joie. And he's basically about to tell them that, like, shit went down, what actually happened. And the Marines who are listening on get told to cut the feed by the head... Oh, what the... I can't... I'm Five elders. Five elders. Sorry, I'm like... I'm just thinking national. I'm like, council, council, council. I'm like, no, it's not a council. The five elders. And during this, one of the five elders says, you never intercepted this message. You never heard anything. And the kingdom of Lelusha never existed. And we see a gruesome scene of dark clouds coming over this town. There's like green lights flashing or this island and there's green lights flashing. And all of a sudden it starts raining beams of light that just start decimating this island. And shit went down, dude. Yeah. Um, that was worse than O'Hara. Yeah. That was so much worse. At least with O'Hara, I have somewhat of a chance to escape. Like, somewhat. That? You, you're not getting away from that. Oh, I mean, the island is gone. There's a yeah. crater in the ocean with water just spilling into it at the end. Yeah, it and did. Um, did you notice anywhere else in the world that crater kind of looked familiar? It did. It looked a lot like Annie's Lobby. Or, yeah. sorry, um, yeah, Annie's Lobby. Yep. And I was like, Annie's wait. Lobby. Wait. Is so that what I, happened there? I think they've done this before. <laughs> and they just put that there to make people not realize it happened. Yep. But this total decimation of this island caused sea quakes, it caused tsunamis, it caused crazy, crazy abnormal weather. But yeah, wiped an, wiped an island, a kingdom from the face of the earth. So do you think this is like an ancient weapon or do you think this is like something else? So I had two theories. My first thought was, yeah, the government definitely has that last ancient weapon and they they keep it, you know, tucked on their hip. They don't try to use it a lot, only in extreme cases. My other thought is this one's a stretch. They had Vegapunk 
artificially create um, the Rumble Rumble fruit, which is Eteru's power, but they somehow enhanced it into a weapon. That definitely was not lightning. <laughs> I I don't. It it looked like it looked like an L Thor on fucking drugs, man. That thing was insane. <laughs> it it looks like a beam weapon out of Gundam. Like, Actually, dude, could they have mixed? Because they have Kizaru's power. Could they take Kizaru and Enru's power and just Vegapunk's a genius? So oh maybe. God, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, this looks like a freaking like satellite destroying like laser beam of death you would see in Gundam. Like yeah, it was that intense. Yeah. But yeah, pretty crazy. And during this, Sabo's communication with the revolutionaries just cuts off. So he can't finish his sentence and they have no idea what's going on now. Um, it, this was just crazy. It was a crazy scene. Like, what a way to start an arc. Yeah, it. they know how to draw you in. <laughs> now we're like, what the hell's going on? Why did the world government blow up that island? What was Sabo going to say? <laughs> They Very, definitely didn't want the information getting out. Yeah, nobody knows that Emu exists. So, like, it's yeah, like he's an about empty to spill throne. it. Yeah, it's an empty throne up there. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. So that was that was very sad. I saw a TikTok and it was of that scene. It's like One Piece, a funny pirate anime, and I was like, oh my <laughs> god, yeah, no, brother, no. slavery, racism, genocide. It, it is. It's classism it's crazy very dark show under the guise of a funny pirate anime yeah, yeah so yeah, after, yeah. after all this we cut back to the straw hats and they are navigating through some pretty aggressive weather it's snowing sideways like it looked like the snow we got up in new england this weekend like it was <laughs> it was we had blizzards all weekend so like it was pretty intense and jimbe thank god they finally got him on the boat because if they did it, they were fucked. Usopp ain't navigating through that shit. Not as Frankie. Like, <laughs> you needed the fish man, the fish man ability to know what's going on in the water there. There's icebergs left and right. So that was cool to see. And they came across a warm eddy floating above the sea. And they notice a woman in it. And Sanji, of course, being Sanji, was like, oh, that's a woman screaming. I can tell. And Nami's like, bullshit, bro. What do you mean? <laughs> Classic. And Zoro walks up to this and he's like, well, let's just cut it. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, bro, I know you can do this, but why is everybody so surprised at this point? They've seen you cut shit up like crazy stuff. And Zoro cuts it up. And during the scene, Chopper walks out of the cabin of the Sunny in his woven hat that Otama made of him. And before that, I, I want to bring up this thing because this is funny. You like you see like a teacup come across, and Robin just ca casually grabs it with one of her like other hands she creates with her devil fruit. And Chopper's like, "I'm gonna go outside and help." And she's like, "Oh, you look really cute right now, Chopper." He's got his hat on. And he does like the classic samurai stance, and like they had the music going. A little flashback to Wano, you know, two episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robin's like unbothered, just in the cabin reading with a cup of tea. Chopper's like, I'm going to go assist them. Usab's yeah. out there fighting for his life. 
nothing new there and <laughs> so chopper walks out with this giant hat on and sure enough these gusts pick him up and he just flies off the ship and luffy you know being luffy tries to grab him with his devil fruit powers and he stretches his arm out but the wind is so aggressive that it picks luffy up as well so we have two devil fruit users just flying through the sky and like people are just looking at it like oh no that's terrible but like i'm like wait you guys are in a blizzard you can't navigate the ship right now the sails are up your captain and your doctor are flying away and i thought there would have been a little more urgency with it you know yeah i think this has happened so much with was it it's luffy chopper and brooke jumping in the water i think they're just so numb to it <laughs> I think the one person that isn't is Jim Bay. And since he can, you know, he's a fisherman, he can swim excellent. I think he's going to go get him. True. Very true. And Zoro cuts up this deep eddy and we see a little girl flying around in it. And it's, it's Bonnie. But if you noticed, Bonnie was a kid. Yep. Not the Bonnie we've met. So that is kind of interesting for people who don't read the manga. It's kind of an interesting th thing to see. So, Yeah, it, it's kind of odd. She was in kid form. But it makes you wonder a lot of things like, why is she out there? Why is she in the ocean by herself? Like, what happened to her crew? So there's a lot going on here. They're setting up a great stage for this next arc. So I'm really excited about that. So... That was the, the last time we saw her was um, she was at Marie Joie, right? Correct. Which I can't remember. I think she was by herself. Okay. Back then. And before that, she got, well, she tried to take on Blackbeard and that did not go well. She got outclassed real quick. True. Oh, that's and right. I, probably lost her crew. Oh, geez. That was, oh my God. That was before the time skip. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going back like a decade, probably. Your your memory is better than mine. <laughs> so, and then a Kainu gets a hold of her. He's like, "Oh, I'm glad we didn't lose you." And I'm like, "What the hell is that about?" So, from ca a Kainu capturing her to now, she's kind of. It seems like she's escaped on her own. I don't know what happened to her crew, though. They could just yeah. be an impel down at this point. But yeah, I don't know why she was like, she didn't have a ship or anything. Yeah. And so while she's flying through the air, Luffy grabs her with her other arm. And they're all flailing around in the sky now. And we see like a really dark shadow come under the ship. And it looks like a giant shark. And that's where the episode ended. So like, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah, that was... That was terrifying. That was like a Sea King level Jaws event. Yeah, like it was crazy, man. And after the ending, which I thought was an absolute banger, it made me made me like both this opening and ending just made me feel like old One Piece, which I loved. Um, they've added a mini segment, which I thought was interesting. We got like a chibi chopper and Robin and like they just said some fun facts about Sabo. So if they do that at the end of the episode and they they like use less like reaction shots, I'm cool with it. I'm I'm a little annoyed by those. I've been saying this for years. I don't like those little skits 
I prefer if you just added more to the episode for me. I've what? always been like that. Like, so I remember Naruto would do it, Bleach would do it, Black Clover, Shangri La Frontier does it. <laughs> yeah. But my thing is, is One Piece with it already being like a one chapter per episode show, it's got less reaction shots. I hope. Because, like, I'm just thinking back, there was one episode on Wano where I watched. 20 minutes of just people's faces and then it ended and i was like what <laughs> just happened do you remember the oh my god no you there's one that i remember it was the red bean soup spilling conquerors hockey and titties that those were the three things that happened in the one episode of I mean, one of those was very important <laughs> and only one but yeah definitely definitely interesting to see so we'll see if they keep doing it and what they do with it i mean it's good to know that Sabo's favorite fruit is ramen, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. But yeah, I think I stopped the episode halfway through that. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. So that is this week's weekly rundown. Uh, Undead Unlock and my other two hosts should be back next week. So that'll be exciting. I uh, really appreciate you jumping on to help out, Kriegs. I know uh, it was a little last minute, but uh, hopefully Tyler's feeling better. And yeah. Hopefully he does. Yeah, I, I told him, hot toddy, if you're sick, hot toddy's the move. Trust the process. Hot water, whiskey, lemon, and honey. But honey That's what you yep. need in your life. That's what you need in your life. But awesome. So make sure, uh, like I said, the DJ episode this week is going to be released uh, a day late so Tyler can get better. And we're also going to have another guest with us. We're going to have freebies joining. Um, so really excited for that. Make sure to rate the podcast on your favorite platform. And if you have any questions, make sure to join our Discord or hit us up on our socials. Linktree.com slash AnimeDGens can show you all those. And we'll catch you guys on Friday. Peace. See ya.